Welcome to another pre-recorded Aftershock. I'm super excited about this conversation, almost a couple years in the making now. The former editor-in-chief of Quake's Epicenter, for those of you who don't know him. Also the creator of a podcast uh, that Alex and I uh, were a part of uh, for a couple of years, Black and Soul. Joel Soria. Joel, it's been a little while. Uh, how are you doing? It's, it's good to get a chance to catch up with you. It took Lionel Messi joining MLS to uh, to make this conversation happen, huh? Draymond, it did take a little bit of messy FOMO to bring me back to a familiar place uh, that gave so much to me and so much to us. Uh, just super excited to be back and chat with you a little bit about Messi's arrival to MLS and also chat some quakes. Yeah, well, before we do that, let's get into you. Um, it's been a couple of years and, you know, uh, from time to time, you know, it's, it's always necessary for people to, to take a step back. You were very heavy into the Quakes beat, heart and soul. You know, I got to witness it day in and day out. You were you were into that beat. It was, it was something you took very, very seriously. And, uh, you know, with the pandemic, it brought new challenges to all of us, some of them in a very personal way. Um, you know, what have you been doing? Uh, you know, update the fans as to, uh, you know, what's going on with Joel Soria now. Yeah, as you mentioned, Jamie, I mean, this was a dream that started when I was in college. Um, I, I never thought that it would take me to the places where I was able to be. Um, and yeah, it was it was grueling at times. You know, we're talking about seven day work weeks, blending, you know, this passion project with, uh, you know, a nine to five, a, a salary job. And, you know, it, it took a toll on me. And, you know, the pandemic also obviously did shift a lot of professional responsibilities in this space that, you know, and, and, you know, coupled with, you know, some, some personal, some personal losses that, you know, just made it very clear to me that I needed to take a step back. Uh, I see it now as a, as a professional hiatus and, you know, I'm, I'm more than ready to come back at, at a level that I'm not really sure what, what that's going to look like. I don't know from what angle specifically just yet, but Hey, this is step one, super happy to be here. You know, Ben, I, I haven't I haven't shied away from soccer at all. You know, it's it's my lifelong passion. Um, I still keep tabs uh, here and there on the Quakes, MLS, and obviously soccer at large on a national and international basis. So, uh, yeah, just su super happy to be here with you. And uh, you know, let's let's get to this messy news because I man, it's it was a lot. Yeah, it definitely was a lot. Got a chance to talk to Luchi Gonzalez today. He's someone who grew up in the Miami area and, you know, was very excited that the club was started there, Inter-Miami. Um, and now that club is the focus of the soccer world. Um, Lionel Messi passing up the opportunity to probably make over a billion dollars and play in Saudi Arabia, passing up the opportunity and all the unknowns that would go with kind of, I think, the financial situation at Barcelona to return there could maybe have, uh, you know, opted to return to Argentina and gone back to his boyhood club, I guess. But ultimately decides to join David Beckham's project, another person who came to MLS and made 
a big splash a few years back, but this is at a different scale, Joel. Like, like Lionel Messi is maybe arguably the most recognizable athlete in the world. Um, certainly has more Instagram followers, I think, than any, anybody else. You know, what's your take? I think it's I think it's really hard for even the people closest to in Inter Miami or you know the the bigger reporters in the MLS world to really wrap their head around this type of news. I mean, it's it's monumental. It's 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 really revolutionizing in a way that you know we won't really be able to to to, to quantify until you know that chapter of his career ends, whether that be in two, three, four years, we really don't know. He turns 36 very soon. But yeah, what a massive coup for for Major League Soccer. I mean, you know, you're bringing in the GOAT, the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest soccer player of all time, certainly of our era, of our most modern era, who's going to be coming into a market that really just makes a lot of sense for him and the people around him. And obviously, the club in Miami, uh, Inter Miami, um, it's again, it's 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 almost unexplainable at this point because, as you were mentioning, you know, his intent was always to stay in Europe and to sort of end, you know, his fairy tale career with Barcelona, the club that that made him the club of of his of his life of his dreams. Um, the fiasco that they have going on over there was not going to allow him to go back, unfortunately. And as you mentioned, Saudis were willing to pay a reported $1.6 billion for his services over the span of three years. I mean, we're, we're just talking about him showing up to Saudi Arabia training and just playing soccer, you know, just, just kicking the ball around for $1.6 billion. That is a monstrous deal. Um, but I, I think really that the this package that Inter Miami was able to put together, that Major League Soccer was able to put together, may not be as far off to that 1.6 billion as most people may think. Um, you know, you talk about you know the the profit shares that he's going to have coming from Apple, uh, Apple Plus, and the Apple Plus deal that they have with Major League Soccer. And also the commercial deal that Major League Soccer has with Adidas, which was extended for another, I think, six to seven or eight years for a reported $830 million, I believe. I mean, those are both monstrous deals as well. And, you know, for Messi to be able to get a slice of that of that pie, I, I think it's I think it makes it to where, you know, Messi may not be leaving, you know, too much behind by not going to Saudi. It's, it's, it's just, I think it's a win-win for everyone involved and it really legitimizes, you know, major league soccer on a commercial standpoint and also on, on a sporting side of things. Yeah. There are a lot of questions that if I look ahead to the 2026 world cup, one of the reasons, the big reasons that Apple decided to get into this deal with major league soccer was because you have that opportunity of 2026 and really kind of taking MLS to a whole new level. Signing Messi probably was always there, I would have to imagine, in the in the negotiations, in some of the discussions of like, well, well, what if we got 
this level of player to come and really bring that attention into Major League Soccer, really turn this Apple TV deal, which they've said is a worldwide deal, but now the eyes of the world will actually be on MLS. Certainly, this has to be exactly what Apple TV wanted. Not only that, uh, uh, the day before, announced a documentary, a four-part series, if I remember right, you know, about uh, about Messi and, uh, and about, you know, winning the World Cup with Argentina. Um, you know, all of this seems kind of tailor-made for, for uh, something that is going to be extra special for the United States uh, and, and Canada and, and even Mexico with Leagues Cup and, you know, uh, expecting that Messi, you know, if not this year, maybe, you know, in, in future years would appear in that tournament. And, um, you know, the, the combination of all three uh, countries being able to host the World Cup, there's just so much here in terms of storyline and what this means in the North American, specifically, I think, the American soccer landscape. You know, for the extent you've been able to think about it so far and process this, because there's a lot to process here, you know, where where is your mind right now in all this? You know, I think that when I think about this, what really, you know, sticks with me is the timing. I think the timing of it all is is super coincidental. I mean, we're talking about United States being the country as a whole, being in a position on a soccer end of things where, you know, they can actually finally turn that corner and and really accelerate the sport and mainstream the sport in ways that they've been wanting to do for, you know, 40, 50 years, but haven't been able to because, you know, the commercial and the sporting and the marketing side of things have never really, you know, haven't haven't been on the same page or on the sem on the same on a similar level, and you know to be ready to go all in on the commercial and marketing side, and now having the sporting side thanks to Lionel Messi's career on a tail end and him being a free agent and willing to listen to offers that were coming from you know, America from, from major league soccer clubs, specifically, obviously Inter Miami. I think it, it just, I think the time they, they, I think the officials realized that the time to pounce was now, you know, this is really when you have to be willing to sacrifice it all in order to, to propel, you know, the sport uh, domestically to, to an unprecedented level to where they've always wanted it to be which is, you know, competing with the likes of American football and basketball and, you know, even baseball, right? That's always been the objective is to grow, grow, grow and to mainstream it as much as possible. And, you know, with, as you mentioned, the 2026 World Cup um, coming to North America, predominantly featuring here in, in the United States, and with the 2024 Copa America also coming to to our backyard, I think it it really makes a lot of sense from from a from from a macro standpoint, right? To to really just go all in and and bring in a figure like Lionel Messi, that you know may just may he may be a once in a lifetime player, um, and you know the way that he is really able to 
you know, to, to, to shape landscapes the way that he's able to, you know, generate numbers um, is unlike anything that they'd be able to, to find anywhere else, maybe outside of Cristiano Ronaldo. But even then, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't necessarily have that shine no more, given that, you know, Messi was able to lift the cup just a couple of months ago. Yeah. And, you know, you, and you mentioned Ronaldo and, and, and uh, you know, back in, in Black and Azul, we didn't shy from controversial topics. We, we took them right. head on. And so there, there is a bit of controversy these days. It seems like there are players who are opting to take money in places like Saudi Arabia, which rubs a lot of people the wrong way. They call it sports washing because of the way that, um, you know, uh, these, these maybe oil barons are uh, throwing around their money and trying to influence sports in a lot of different ways, coming into, you know, the Premier League and buying clubs or, uh, you know, also Live Golf and its uh, relationship with the PGA Tour and now, you know, apparently merging. You know, there's uh, there's been a lot of, you know, accusational almost tone to some of this type of thing. Uh, and we've seen players, uh, you know, uh, that have taken taken the money uh, to be able to go play in places like that. Was this, you know, the the real, not to say last opportunity, but the the most, the, the opportunity that really had the most potential to kind of change that particular direction of things and to try to bring the focus a little bit more back to the American side. But, you know, not to shy away from the American side of this because, even American entrepreneurs are going in and disrupting leagues like like the Premier League as well. So, you know, I'm not going to say like, you know, one's the white hats and one's the black hats here. But, you know, there there is, you know, I think this kind of controversy of over commercialization that can happen from all this. You know, where do, where do you sit in terms of, of these types of topics? Well, you know, it's it's a very delicate topic. Uh, I think that, you know, the Saudis shelling billions of dollars into mainstream sports is can be viewed as a concerning a concerning play from their end. I mean, we obviously know, you know, their ties, their global ties and um, you know, the ways that they they try to influence that are trying to influence now the masses by you know, consuming these, you know, these these entities, these strong entities within the sport, whether it be a club like Newcastle or whether it be signing Benzema, Ronaldo, and Conte in a matter of, of months, right? Um, you know, on the American end, what I'd say, is I, I think it's, it's really just, I think it really all boils down to the timing and to, you know, the position that, that the American that the American soccer landscape is currently in, right? As I was mentioning, the American landscape had been bubbling for some time, and I had and was praying that a moment like this would really show up. Um, and the moment showed up, right? If it wasn't for the financial fiasco in Barcelona, I don't think we'd be talking about this right now. A lot of credit has been given to David Beckham. I applaud David Beckham for you know the way that he was able to trailblaze um, in, in major league soccer and the way that he was able to, to influence the sport uh, and, and accelerate the growth of the sport in, in America. But really what this all boils down to is, you know, 
Barcelona's inefficiency to sign Lionel Messi and Lionel Messi willing to listen to, you know, this proposal for Major League Soccer in Inter Miami. And I think on a personal level, on a social level, it makes a lot of sense for Messi, right? He comes to this country um, as, you know, the leading figure in the soccer world. Um, he comes into this country as another Latino. We have a very, very strong Latino presence in this country and more so in Miami. Uh, and so I, I really just think that it just, it, it makes, it makes sense for, for Messi and to make, and for major league soccer to, you know, to accept that, that agreement and to commercialize it as much as possible. I don't really think that, um, it has many shades of, you know, what the Saudis are doing uh, in their home country by luring, you know, global superstars. I, I think, I think this is a completely separate, uh, a completely separate negotiation with uh, different variables at play. Um, I don't see the parallels, um, but I do think it's really interesting how, you know, there's uh, an unofficial arms race going on, right? Where you right. have now you have the the Saudis. I mean, more than willing, and I'm sure they're going to continue uh, shelling out millions and millions of dollars on on you know trying to tighten their grip in in modern sports. But you will also have just this one massive deal in America that will potentially change you know the the soccer the global soccer landscape forever. I mean, it, it was only going to just take one massive deal, and that deal was landing Leon and Messi, and it happens. And so now, I guess we just wait and and see how how it ends up, you know, um, playing out. But it super super interesting. I don't want to take you surprised by this question because it wasn't really on our agenda, but it's something I, I it's come across my mind a couple of times. And as you were talking there, you know, it did again. This isn't the first time the biggest soccer player in the world has made his way to American shores. It also happened back in the 70s with Pele, right? Um, can you, do you have any perspective on that? I mean, I was maybe just born, uh, you know, when Pele was over here. You you for sure not because you're way younger than me. Um, but just in terms of, of historical perspective and what you, what you know about Pele's time, you know, is there, are there parallels that can be drawn from, you know, that time that Pele was here? Because obviously now with the, with the kind of the internet age, the television age, the accessibility of Messi as a product just feels significantly more than the accessibility, let's say, of Pele in the 70s in a limited capacity, although big at the time, a limited capacity in the NASL with the, with the New York Cosmos. You know, what's your perception? I think they both bring, you know, large cases of euphoria with them. I think that, you know, they both, um, you know, have the pedigree and, and the reach to disrupt markets and to, to garner anyone's attention, even those who aren't really into sports or into soccer. I mean, these are leading global figures that have impacts on, on all ends of of society, whether it be on a sporting end or a social end, um, you know, everyone's going to to shut up and, and listen to what Pele or, or, or Messi have to say. Uh, I think that there are lots of parallels, but as you mentioned, you know, the the I think that the the timing, the you know, the timeline here 
is what really separates, um, you know, the, the gratitude of, of each signing and each arrival, uh, you know, the, where we're at in terms of globalization and, and connection connectivity on a global scale is, I mean, it, it just blows, you know, the sort of the, the ecosystem in the seventies. Right. Um, and so I think on, on that end, uh, you, you can't, you can't really draw comparisons, um, on, on a sporting end, you know, I, I think a lot of people would still argue that Pelé is the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, I would say that it's not up to, it's not up for debate, but I'm sure that many would, would, would disagree with someone who was born five, <laughs> almost 30 years after he came to America. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm the, the most qualified person for this conversation, but I mean, no, this is, this is, it's it's just as historic, if not more historic, than than Pele's arrival to NASL. I mean, you got to keep in mind that you know the soccer landscape at that time was minuscule to what it is today. You know, we in in today's day we have you know multi million dollar stadiums, we have multi million dollar facilities, you know, commercial deals on um, on an apparel front, on a streaming television front, um, social media, another huge vehicle for, for reach and, and audience impact. Um, this is, again, it's, it's really, 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 really hard um, to quantify, uh, you know, the, the impacts and the effects that Messi is going to have in our country, uh, in our country's soccer I would say I would dare to say that it's it's a bigger arrival than Pele's, but I'm sure again it's a, it's up for debate. Nonetheless, both massive, um, both you know eternal figures that will never die and that will live will live on forever. Just really interested in how you know this ends up playing out and how long you know Messi's uh, you know how long his his stay in America will be and how he will you know close this chapter but i guess in the meantime we have to enjoy it so uh obviously this is a a quakes oriented show um and uh, the quakes are no longer your beat but i hope you had a have had a chance to check in on the team a little bit this season i've really enjoyed uh the quakes under luchi gonzalez and and specifically because luchi gonzalez as a person to me uh, is just, uh, you know, feels like a high character individual. We've seen how he's responded to situations of adversity uh, when there were the accusations of a racist remark, you know, in New York earlier this season and how, you know, he and the team dealt with that kind of situation. I've, I've, I really appreciate that. You know, one of the other amazing things about him is how he's equally, you know, bilingual in English and Spanish. And the kind of influence that that can have on uh, a team and the players to always feel like they're part of the first class uh, citizenry of a team. Uh, I don't underestimate that, you know, particularly, you know, as, as a Latino person, you know, and, but someone who's obviously extremely, you know, you know, fluent in English as well. Um, you know, what is your perception so far of, of Luchi Gonzalez and the progress so far that you've seen, you know, from a distance in terms of the 2023 San Jose earthquakes? 
Yeah, I think I think he was the you know the right acquisition for the San Jose Earthquakes, especially after um, you know Almeida's departure. I think it made a lot of sense for you know Leach, who I think is also uh, you know the a, a proper fit for for a, a GM at at any club in in this league. Um, you know, for for them to bring uh, Luchi Gonzalez on, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, a very respectable figure in in the MLS circles. You know, a former player um, with with you know high integrity and 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 a very very professional character. I think you know, I think it really makes sense to 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 have brought him on and and to start this this new era of of the quakes you know an era i think that is going to you know emphasize you know the 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 homegrown to to pro pipeline um that is going to you know be people first um and that at the end of the day is going to go for for improvements and and results um I am not too well connected on, you know, the day-to-day or even, you know, the 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 season trends uh, as as of as of now. But you know, I think that obviously, as you know, the standings show, the the Quakes are in a much better position than they were, you know, a year or two ago. So, you know, on that end, um, you know, I think I think that you know the Quakes. I'm sure Quakes fans are in a, in a much better place. Well, let's get into a topic that you know you and I can can debate probably eternally, uh, which is a player by the name of Cade Cowell. Um, you know, Cade came into the team, uh, you know, while you were covering the team. You know, certainly there has been you know this kind of hockey stick effect with him, where uh, you can see that potential from the very beginning. But it always feels like trying to catch up to potential, but. More recently, with the U-20 World Cup and the performances there, you know, you can really see that when Cade is confident, when he feels that there's a game that he can kind of dictate, um, you know, that skill that he's got is a next-level skill. Uh, Scoring three goals in four games in the U-20 World Cup um, and looking quite dominant at times by many metrics, the best player in the tournament, at least through the group stage. You know, where do you see Cade Cowell now? I had a chance to talk to him earlier today. And, you know, the rumors of a move to Europe certainly persist, potentially in the secondary transfer window. He said earlier this season that he felt like he was ready for such a move. Um, Chris Leach even didn't mince words talking with Goal.com saying that it might be in the cards this season as well. In your opinion, from what you've seen of Cade, uh, and his progress. Do you think he's ready for Europe? And and you know, or where do you think he's at now? Well, it's no surprise that I've always been a Cade believer. I, I think he has all the tools and the mentality to flourish in a top European league, uh, and most certainly in in Major League Soccer. But I think it all really just comes down to environment, um, and also you know the the style of play that you know he's playing under. Um, I personally did catch a bit of his play in the this latest U20 World Cup group stage, and I, I was I was impressed. Obviously, um, it was it was a really really impactful, uh, you know, four games that he had, uh, scoring three four goals. Three goals, yeah. 
three goals, uh, electric goals at that. Yes. And lots, lots of missed, lots of, lots of missed opportunities, <laughs> you know, that, you know, just a matter of inches and he could have scored maybe six or seven goals. I think he hit the post three times too. I, I, I might've might even been four. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, a player with, with so much potential, the, the earthquakes organization has, has never had the, the luxury of having a youngster with the capacities that, that Kate has. And, you know, I think he's he's reaching a point where he really has to to contemplate whether or not he he wants to make that that next step. Um, as you mentioned, you know he's he's determined to make that next step, to take that next step. But as we know, the club also has to be on board. And I think that you know, following uh, uh, an event like the one that he was a part of, I think that you know this presents to be a, a a great juncture for you know the club to to look for for a new a new home for him um, and and capitalize on on that ROI right um, they they placed a lot of a lot of trust in him I think that off the pitch you know he's been able to to carry himself as a true professional on the pitch as well always improving. Uh, perhaps this year the numbers haven't been there. Perhaps you know he has struggled time in and time out. But I think that's that's normal. It's normal for for a majority of youngsters who you know who are trying to to make that climb. Um, a change of scenery can can do wonders for any player, and for a player like Cade, who's more than motivated to go to Europe and and make a name for himself, you know, a change of scenery may may pay large dividends for him and it, and it most certainly will pay dividends for, for the earthquakes when they get, you know, what I think will be a record transfer fee. Well, Joel, it's been amazing to get a chance to talk to you again. Um, you know, just for, for the fans again, who, who may not know you quite as well uh, or have joined us in the past couple of years, you know, you, you, it, Quakes Epicenter wouldn't be what it is today the aftershock, I can guarantee you in its current form, would not exist if it wasn't for for you and Charles and the work that you guys did uh, starting Black and the Soul and inviting Alex and I onto the show and kind of showing us the way as to how this type of format could work. And, uh, you know, I think the fans have, have you to thank for a lot of things that they'll probably never know, um, the, the fans who enjoy this show. And, and more than anything, it's just really good get a chance to, to see you. We did get a chance to see you in person, you know, when I recently came to San Jose, but, uh, you know, I always relish that opportunity because we don't get to do it very often. Uh, thanks for stopping by today. Any uh, final thoughts for the fans? I'm rusty. I'm really, really rusty. Um, I have lots of work to do to in order to get back into my groove. Uh, and honestly, I just, I, I owe it all to, to you, Jamin, um, to Alex, to, to Charles, Jason, and all those people, you know, who who helped me along the way in, in my journey as a as a soccer writer, um, and obviously to the readers, to to the to those supporters who, you know, who coupled their their earthquakes fandom with uh, you know with with my reporting. I um, have nothing but gratitude, you know, for, for everyone who's watching this, and for for everyone who ever supported my work. Um, I promise to be back at some some capacity. I'm not entirely sure what that looks like yet, 
Um, but, you know, more than willing to, to collaborate with you, Jamin, with the rest of the crew uh, when possible and to be a bit more present, um, you know, in, in this new uh, major league soccer landscape with, with Messi on board. Again, the FOMO hit me really hard. I, I couldn't stay away from, from chiming in. Uh, whether my voice is going to be heard or not, I just wanted to put it out there. And so, uh, you know, really, really glad that, you know, Major League Soccer is, is turning this corner. It's obviously going to benefit not only uh, Major League Soccer or Inter Miami, it's also going to benefit, you know, clubs on this side of the coast, like the San Jose Earthquakes um, at large. And obviously, most most notably when they do make the trek um, to Northern California. And so, really looking forward to that, and and uh, also really looking forward to see how how the earthquakes finish up the second half of the season. It could be an interesting one. Sitting in fifth place, Philadelphia on Saturday. Man, that's that's a big one. Big even Lucci, even Lucci today is it kind of you could see there's a little bit of a. Whew, yeah, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a big game for us, a real big test. And uh, you know, they passed the LAFC test at home. You know, maybe they can pass the Philadelphia test as well. Uh, right now, potential for a home playoff series in the sights, and we'll see how it goes. And you know, nice to have uh, you know you back in the saddle. Whatever back in the saddle means to you, Joel. We're just excited to have you back in the soccer landscape in the Bay Area and in MLS in general. Good talking to you. Have a good rest of your day, man. You too. Take care, Jamie.